Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast. This podcast was created to provide resources and encouragement to leaders of small churches. Our mission is to encourage and equip leaders of the 94% of congregations in America under 500 members. Thanks for tuning in to the 200 Churches. Tuning? Who's tuning? What do they got, a radio? Tuning. You, you tune your podcast dial. To 200? You t- tune it. If you tune your podcast dial to 200, you reach the 200 Churches Podcast. Thank you, Johnny. I'm here with Jeff Katie. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're going to talk about a few things today. Jeff and I were just talking about 200 churches, kind of the mission of what we're trying to do here, and we wanted to clarify something real fast about our podcast and our blog and church growth. So sometimes we, as leaders of 200 churches, think, you know, it'd be great to be more like a seven. 800 church, something like that. And so we focus on growth and then feel a little bit bad if uh, if we don't grow or we don't grow as fast as we'd like to, maybe. So I've been looking online at these podcasts, and almost every one of them it is for churches in general, but the purpose is that that church will grow, that that church will get bigger. And these larger churches, in order to accomplish uh, connecting and relationships, in order to accomplish discipleship, what do they have to do? I mean, they break people into small, smaller groups, smaller segments all the time. Yeah, groups of eight, twelve. Sure. You know, and, and I mean, they're just they have to break them down. So, in a in a smaller church, you're already a small group, so you can already do the things that the large churches are doing in small groups. So, the point of the 200 Churches podcast and the blog and and everything that you're going to find here on this website is really to to encourage church leaders to to just do everything that they can for the kingdom of God. It's not about um, feeling bad if you're not big enough. We here at our church are about 200 people, um, and, and that's not something either of us are ashamed about. But we think that whether your church is 15, 20, 500 people, um, your leadership matters, and what you do is important, and, and we, we just want to encourage all people to feel that way. So to finish this thought, yeah, we're 200, church, we're 200 people, Johnny. Do we want to be 500 Sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on. But the point is, while we're 200, we need to celebrate it. We need to praise God for the ministry he's given us. And we need to make sure that our leadership is as good as it can be for God's kingdom with these 200 people and all the people that are are inevitably associated with them. So what are we talking about today? Today we are going to talk about uh, what Jeff and I refer to as the sacred cow. Filet mignon. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it turns into chopped beef steak, though, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So sacred cows are those areas in your church um, that are a little bit too hot to handle, maybe. Those are the areas that are ingrained. Those are the areas with deep roots. And, and they're the hardest things to change sometimes. They're the sacred cows, and uh, people want to avoid butchering those sacred cows. Give us some examples, Jeff. Well, a sacred cow could be a program. It could be a piece of furniture in your church. Sure. It could be your building. It could be especially uh, something that was given in memorial of somebody else that was put there for this dear pillar of the church that, you know, as a young pastor, you come in and you have no idea that that picture was given in memory of the founder's beloved grandmother. And you take down the picture, man, and you're fried. That's it. In yeah. fact, I remember at a church that I served in, this was back in 1999, 
uh, when when church projection systems were just coming in, and we had a projector in our church, and we decided we're gonna we're gonna skip the Sunday evening service the week of the Super Bowl in order to have you know the Super Bowl party. Heresy. Yeah, I know, and we've all done it by now. But in 1999, it was a big deal. Okay. So we made an announcement on a Sunday morning what we were gonna do. The following morning, a couple came in to our offices. They had been attending our church, active members, supportive members, good people for about 20 years. And they said, you know, if you're going to cancel the Sunday evening service, we're going to go elsewhere. And we said, yeah, we're, we're really going to, for that night, we're going to cancel. They said, then you know what? We're, we're out of this church because we see where this is going. And by the way, we'd like our offering check from yesterday morning for $3,200 oh, back. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. We want it back. So the, the evening service, even just, even just one evening service at that church would have been a sacred cow. That was a sacred cow. I visited yeah. a church, and they had a, they had a little heritage museum within, within the church, and it had all the pictures of past pre- and things like that, mm. and I, I said to the, I said to the pastor, this this room where it is, I mean, you could really do a lot with the space. Nobody's going in this room. It's you know, it's just a bunch of old pictures and artifacts. It's a shrine. It's a shrine to the past. I said, what you know, what would it take for you to get rid of this? And he just he said, there's no there's no way that we could get rid of this thing. I mean, people would riot if I tried to get rid of this. Well, room. his his maybe his life goal was to be added to it. <laughs> That's it. And to be the biggest and the baddest. It's good. He would have the biggest portrait on the wall. In the Hall of Pastors. The Heritage Museum at that church was definitely a sacred cow. All of us have run into sacred cows at one time or another in our church. How do we we deal with a sacred cow and still get to eat the meat, I guess is the question. (laughs) And uh, what are some, you know, what are some suggestions? Johnny, we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I, well, we, we talked about, first of all, you, first thing, you need to make sure um, that that your cow is ready to be killed in the first place. Some sacred cows should be kept alive because they're sacred for a reason. Okay. So just because it's a sacred cow doesn't mean that we need to get rid of it's it. It's not necessarily bad. Exactly. So maybe we're def- redefining sacred cow because sometimes sacred cow is used in the context of it's something that you need to get rid of. But it's a sacred cow. Right. But not all sacred cows. Exactly. Some of them are good. Some other sacred cows you you need to get rid of, but now is not the right time for that. Okay. You just you need to let that go for now. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Just let that go for the moment so that the, when the time is right, you get better meat out of that cow anyway. Okay. And then the final the thing is some some really do need to be killed right now. Um, they need to be butchered processed and packaged all at the same time and we need to get those sacred cows out so we're just going to talk quick through a couple steps to take toward getting rid of sacred cows from from a guy who has stepped in a fresh steaming cow pie once or twice in his life amen amen so these are the sacred cows that we need to get in the meat locker right Right, now it's overdue and that's the thing sometimes it's overdue in our fear of people, we don't deal with it. We don't act on it. And so here's maybe a process that we can use. And the first thing that we have to do is you have to be clear on the why. You have to be clear on your purpose. Why do you want to get rid of the sacred cow? And this is something that we talked about in our last podcast is having that clear reason for why something should happen, the way it should be, why it should happen. And you have to let that be guided by your the vision and the mission of your church. Yeah. It can't be just that, oh, I just don't like it. Right. I'm new. I don't like it. I want to get rid of it, right? I mean That's exactly right. And that, and that can be that can be our attitude. I mean, I've gone into into a ministry before and there's stuff there that I just want to get rid of and and the truth is 
maybe it shouldn't be gotten rid of in that manner. Right. And are we getting rid of it just for our own bloodlust? <laughs> our sacred cow bloodlust? Right. Or, or does it really push the vision and the mission of the church forward? Another thing, another question we could ask is, have we done our research on it? I mean, do we know, do we know the history behind the sacred cow? Do we know who gave it? Do we know who made it? Do we know whose name it was given in? Do we know the reason why it was started? Because that is a way that we will step in the steaming, fresh cow pie really easily is if we haven't done our research. Exactly. And for, for a young guy like me or any younger guys listening to this, you know, you're in your first church, you're, you're taking your first job. I am so blessed to have Jeff here to guide me through some of these things. But if you're a young guy and you, and you don't have a senior pastor to guide you through, um, Definitely find somebody in the church who's been there for a while. Find yourself an ally, maybe an elder or a deacon or something, and and you need to figure out the background of these things that you're trying to change and get rid of. Because I've I've gone through the church before and said, oh, you know, what's this? What's that? We should just kill this tomorrow. And, and Jeff says, oh, you know, pump the brakes. You know, the, there's impact. You make an impact on people um, when you when you do that. I like what you said earlier about when we were talking about this. You said, if you haven't been here for a while, find somebody who has been here for a while. Let them give you the background on it, and then you can determine, okay, is this is this the hill I'm going to die on? And, and if there needs to be change, how can I best love my people and lead them through this type of change? What's another question that we could ask in trying to figure out the sacred cow stuff? Another step would really be, have I communicated with the key people that are going to be affected by the killing of this sacred cow? Yeah, because some people are going to win. And some, and some people, people are going to lose. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, we don't want to put it in those terms, but that's how people feel right. in our church. If, you, if you're getting rid of a program or changing a program, somebody's in charge of that program. That's their sacred cow that might be the church's sacred cow and so you need to you need to meet with the key people the key players and the people who are going to be impacted the most and just clarify the whole situation with them and and start to get some buy-in yeah you know america's pastor rick warren he says it like this he says all change involves loss and all loss involves grief and so whenever we change something in our church very likely there's somebody who's going to have to go through a grieving process. Sometimes that's us, and uh, so we need to know we need to know who in the world uh, we're going to be affecting when we when we deal when we do anything with a sacred cow. And then connected to that is: Have you received buy-in and consensus from the key players and from leadership? So here we are, a, an elder-led church. And so for us, it's important to communicate with elders, you know, before any types of decisions are made when it comes to killing a sacred cow. And, you know, Proverbs talks about wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Yet as pastors, sometimes we think that because we're the pastor... We have the best ideas. And we're the benevolent dictator. That's right. And so the decision we make, you know, the decision that we make often sounds like the absolute best decision until somebody gives their opinion on it. That's exactly right. And then we think... Yeah, maybe that's not the best decision. And a lot of times we can't even see the opposite side. No. I mean, we are so focused. Who could possibly disagree with such an amazing plan as we have had? Who could possibly disagree with such an idiotic notion? <laughs> that's right. Right? right. That's exactly. So have that humility and get the buy-in and consensus from leaders and the key players. And I think there's one more, Jeff. Well, the other thing is we have to decide. It's This is more of an attitudinal one. Are we working against our church family? or are we working with our church family? 
Right. You know, sometimes because somebody in our church gets at cross hairs with us, as they say, gets their back in a hump or their tail in a knot over something that we want to do, we, we can find ourselves working against our church family. And I think as pastors, we always have to realize we're working with our church family. And our first priority is to the purpose that God gives us, and that is to fulfill the great commandment, uh, to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. So that would be making disciples in the spirit of love, loving God and loving others. And so we're never working against our church family. Jeff and I both spent time before we were pastors working at UPS. So shout out. The Brotherhood. Shout out to UPS. Hey, hey! yesterday I was uh, in a restaurant and there was a UPS driver in there. He and I had the greatest talk and my wife just shook her head. <laughs> They don't understand. Non-UPSers can't understand, I don't think. I walked up to him. I said, hey, 21 years ago, I left the preload. And he just looked at me. Our eyes met. And we both knew. <laughs> it we was both magic. knew. It was, it was magic. It was the magic. Brown trucks connect okay, us. So what were we talking about? But as, you know, leadership is leadership, whether you're at a church or at a company. And, and we both spent time as, as just package handlers, the people who load the trucks, and then both spelt, spent time as supervisors. Now it was 20 years difference between right, us. But right. I learned pretty quick that it separates fast between us and them, the management mm-hmm. versus, you know, up against the proletariat, if you will. Sorry for everybody. That's too big of a word yeah. for me. Here's how I like to put it. For three years, I was a grunt. And then oh, for okay. three years, I was a grunt with a tie. I like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the grunts versus the grunts with the ties. And it, it turned into a weird battle between leadership and, and just the people who were on the ground doing the job. And in the church... Sometimes church leaders can can see themselves as being almost against the people in their church. Well, I gotta, I'm gonna have to fight with everybody to change this, right. or it's gonna be an uphill battle to get that done. And so, and you know, we can work into this this mentality of it's almost an us in leadership versus them, the congregation. And what Jeff you're saying is is absolutely true is that we are working for and with our congregation. Well, you know, we can make a decision and do something in a hurry and set ourselves back several months, if not years, in terms of trust and really forward motion in our church. Or we could just take a little time, love our people, communicate, and then really listen to our people. And it may take us an extra month or two, but then we're way down the road, a lot further than if we would have tried to jam it through. So if you have some sacred cows in your church and you're listening to this podcast, if your 200 church has some sacred cows, um, then, then you need to figure out, are they ready to die? Or, or maybe, you know, they have some time left. And, and then try to follow these steps. And I think that, I really think that these, these steps will make it an easier transition for people. So, Johnny, we just have to, we have to take our own medicine now. That's exactly right. Here at right. Church. <laughs> and there's really just, really just one question we have to ask when dealing with a sacred cow, and that is? Medium or well done? There you go. Thanks for listening to the 200 Church Podcast. I just want to remind you that 10 churches of 200 produce more for the kingdom of God than one church of 2,000. So stand tall, serve in the power of the Spirit of God, and remember that your leadership matters huge in the kingdom of God.